would be embarrassing to hear later on. <laughs> so, no. Cassie just tried to go on the record and say that. Uh, <laughs> Bo Burnham, if you ever listen to our podcast, she'd fuck the shit out of you. <laughs> um, but... But uh, we weren't recording, and when as soon as I hit record, she decided she didn't want to say it anymore. So I'll say it for her. Thank you. I'll be the wingman, Bo Burnham. Cassie's hit me up. She's spread eagle. Oh my god! <laughs> Waiting this for you. Couch is not big enough for that. <laughs> I'm thinking I'll just start the episode here. Wow. Um, okay. Let's go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Death by Music podcast. I'm Jake. That is also my name. I am here with Cassie. <laughs> If you don't know what he's talking about, look it up. Yeah, or listen the, to our previous. It's in the Q and A. It's in the Q and A. Yeah, so guess you'll have to listen to another episode. Wow, <laughs> darn! This is episode one of season three, and we fucking did it, dude. We made it here, and this is awesome because we started this not even a year ago, and to be working on three seasons and have all of you guys listening is awesome. We've been like breaking some records for ourselves lately. Well, I guess you've been breaking them. You've been breaking our records. Proud of you. Thanks. Appreciate <laughs> it. Keep it up. Uh, yeah, it's been really good. So this season is super eclectic. We've got people from all different types of music, walks of life, whatever. And we are going to start it off with someone who's pretty extreme. It's Wendy O. Williams of The Plasmatics. And I'm sure a lot of People may not be familiar with who she is, but don't worry. We wrote 10 pages on it, and you're about to find out. First, I guess we'll go over our sources. I used a book called Eve of Destruction, The Wild Life of Wendy O. Williams by Robin Icegrow. Mm. Wikipedia is a big friend of mine. Yep. We love <laughs> Wikipedia. Uh, and then Spin Magazine, there was an article called The Love Song of Wendy O. Williams by Joy Williams. No relation. The queen of shock rock. We call her Wendy O. Williams. She's the front woman for the punk band The Plasmatics. The only chick with enough balls to induce complete and total mayhem on stage in the late 70s. I mean, we also have to include the O in her initials so that you're not confusing her with that talk show host who is also problematic. I forgot about her. And then every time I told people we were covering Wendy Williams, they were like, why? She died? (laughs) (laughs) I think you said that, Jake. You were like, what are you talking about? Yeah. No, no, no. Yep, I did. Not her. So she was the epitome of punk. She was rebellious, unconforming, anti-commercialist, extreme, outrageous. Wendy was purposely unpretty. Um, As in, she didn't try to play the sweet, cute, conventional female onstage role. I mean, this is the 1970s, same time as Karen Carpenter. Wendy O. Williams is the exact opposite. Not that either one is bad, they're just different. Yes, we as women, and, and Jake, can do what makes us happy and stop attributing our existence solely for a male audience. Imagine yeah. that. Wow. Imagine Novel it. idea. <laughs> Wendy was fit as fuck. Um, cool. If you look at pictures of her, she's ripped. And she was a vegetarian. She would work out nonstop. She would run six miles a day. She loved to pe- make people uncomfortable by shoving sex in their faces. She would often play topless. She would put shaving cream or electrical tape on her nipples. And mm. then she was just basically trying to take the wind out of the sails of dudes in the crowd who were like, show us your tits. I mean, does the nipple complete the tit? It's still a boob. Like, use your imagination. No, guys can't do that. Why? It doesn't. You don't I, have that part of your brain developed. No, it's, it's, you see a boob and you, you just, I want the nipple. You want to see it. it. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It's just, hey. Even like a, like a tasteful that. side boob you're not a fan of? Oh, You'd I'm prefer... a fan of some side yeah, That's boob. not what he was saying. No, yeah, yeah. Was... <laughs> so then he's, she's saying showing... he's saying they don't have the imagination. They... We, yeah, we don't have the imagination to just sit there and be like, I can figure out what her nipples look like through her shirt. <laughs> what? That's, that's that why they're matter? like, show us your tits, because yeah. they can't we imagine what they the actually look like. Wow. Aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> so Wendy would simulate sex and masturbation on stage. She'd scream and she'd growl with her vocals. I do that, but I don't have a record deal of any kind. Um, speaking of Bo Burnham, I don't know. Can you help out with that, too? <laughs> like, Cassie record deal, because she makes a lot. I can probably edit out all the weird noises she's made in these episodes. Oh my God. <laughs> Just <laughs> make it up. Compile like them all into Like this compilation one. of, like, sex <laughs> sex noises (laughs) so wendy did not give a fuck you see remnants of her performance and tactics in many artists today from madonna to miley cyrus to lady gaga to taylor momsen they're all taking a page out of wendy's book she was the first one to be doing all this stuff and since many people don't know wendy o williams story we are telling it to you in today's episodes it's going to get down dirty violent and raunchy but with all of our stories, this one also ends in tragedy. Let's take it back to the beginning. How did Wendy become so damn controversial? She was born on May 28th, 1949, 
a day before Jake, except he wasn't born in oh, 1949. <laughs> two, days, two days before me. Oh, yeah. You guys are like all the same. Mm-hmm. Okay. So she was born May 28th, 1949 in Rochester, New York as Wendy Orlean Williams. Uh-oh. A Gemini. What is wrong with us? As Gemini's. Uh, I don't know. I guess you guys are okay. Yes. Her parents were Audrey and Robert. Audrey was from Queens. Robert was a chemist from Alabama. She had an older sister named Barbara and a younger sister named Penny. And Penny actually happened to have the same birthday as Wendy. Wendy started dancing from a young age. She won a tap dancing contest at just seven years old that got her on the Howdy Doody show. So Howdy Doody, the Howdy Doody show, was a puddle. It was a puddle. It was of so children. puddle of slop. Oh God, no. <laughs> the you Howdy. Don't want to see a puddle. Yeah, you don't want to see a puddle is of that, children. Does that come? That's is that the joke? Oh, that's the joke. <laughs> no, that was a good joke. All right. So the Howdy Doody <laughs> show warm. was a children's variety show with songs, sketches, games, and more with Buffalo Bob and his puppet pal named Howdy Doody. Yes, I am so old. I remember watching this as a kid. I mean, it was obviously in syndication. Was it old when you were a kid? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because my mom watched that show. Wendy also played clarinet, which eventually won her a scholarship for the Eastman School of Music. Her family lived a pretty modest life, but Wendy was ruthlessly picked on as a child. She wore hand-me-downs and she was super skinny. Naturally, (laughs) Wendy formed a bond with the family dog, Butch, because she didn't seem to have any other friends. And then her parents did the worst fucking thing you can do. They claimed that the dog ran away. But guess what? They actually put him down. No, so there's two devastating losses. Devastating losses. Yeah, this episode episode was actually about Butch. (laughs) Thank you for listening. Yep. Rest We're in done. Peace, butch. But also, can I get a warning next time? <laughs> sorry. Don't kill the dog right off the bat. Yeah, sorry. Have Wendy, you no class? <laughs> yeah, Wendy found out about it, and obviously, she was devastated. It drove a wedge between herself and yeah. her family very early on. Sure. So I'm wondering, you know, that's a very hard thing to talk about with your kids. Like, do you tell them the truth and say that we had to put the dog down for such and such, or do you lie to them and try to, you know? I don't know. I would. I feel offset like- that that trauma or you know let them them actually learn from it i would you let them i would tell them i feel like you have to be honest you have to learn at some point and it's sad but it's reality and it's gonna happen eventually yeah that's that's how i feel you you have to lying about it's not going to solve anything that's just going to fuck your kids up and then your kids don't trust you yeah and that's so, obviously what happened here. Cause. Yeah. I mean, this this totally turned her shit around. She was like, I can't trust you people. How dare you do this to me? At least if they would have told her dog's old or whatever the case was, he's sick, he's dying. You can at least have a chance to say goodbye to the animal before yeah. they put him down. And then you still trust your parents. But once parents start lying to kids about stuff like that, it's not helpful. I mean, it, it might save you in the short term, but in the long run, once they find out, like, they're never going to trust you again. Definitely. So. I agree. That's my opinion. Uh, funny enough, <laughs> former classmates of Wendy said that she was pretty shy and quiet in school, which makes sense why she would break out of that shell to the extreme later on in her life. Teachers described Wendy as soft-spoken and shy. Her older sister was pretty popular, and it's kind of hard to follow that up coming up in school. And then there was her younger sister who stole the spotlight, especially since they had the same birthday. And her parents, apparently they were drunks. Um, The type of like nine to five zombies that hate their lives and they just come home and drink. Also, this is a a good point in time to talk to you about the playlist um, that I... Oh, did you put that song on it? I sure did. (laughs) There's a listening order to the podcast playlist, Mm -hmm. and it goes through what we talk about in succession of how we talk about it, because I do it while I'm typing it. That's why it takes me so long. Um, But yeah, both of those songs are on the playlist. Yeah, so if you go on Spotify, it's actually a separate profile from where you're listening to the podcast. If you search uh, Death by Podcast Team, then it will pull up all of the musical playlists and also it'll be in the description for this episode so even if you're listening on like itunes or whatever you can click on the link and it'll take you to the spotify playlist it's real fun enjoy okay so with wendy alienated from her family she began to get quite rebellious as a teen even getting kicked out of the girl scouts in an article from 2008 published by a fanzine called children nice Hmm. Wendy's longtime partner, Rod Swenson, tells the interviewer that Wendy was kicked out of the Girl Scouts for having too much fun. Unfortunately, he did not elaborate on any more than that. 
and it leaves your mind to really wonder what that meant. <laughs> well, it must be pretty easy to get kicked out of the Girl Scouts. I would then. assume so. I think I ate all my Girl Scout cookies. I would have. Shit. Oh, I bought like 10 boxes. Recently? Damn it. Oh, I did hear on the radio the other day that there's a Girl Scout cookie overstock of Girl Scout cookies because they couldn't go door to door this year. So where are they now? So anyways, if you're a Girl Scout or you know one and you got the hookup on the cooks, send us an email. That's my podcast team at gmail.com. That might be. There's like a Dairy Queen blizzard that's specifically Thin Mint and I would do various things for that. Fuck Bo Burnham. <laughs> oh, I do that for free. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. That's fine. Um, yeah. Hook me up. I will. I'll buy 10 boxes right now. Of What are those peanut butter ones? Okay, so her record started early when she, and by record, I mean her criminal record, Mm. uh, when she decided to tan absolutely naked at a public beach at 15. I do not want to see that. You don't want to see 15 year olds? I don't know. (laughs) You're going to go on record and say that. You don't want to see children naked. No. Okay, good. Good Absolutely. I don't need, like, baby pictures, don't fucking show it to me. For one, (laughs) I don't give a shit. (laughs) Two, I don't want to see him naked. Yeah. Yeah, that does I feel already, like a, a I, I don't like going to the beach already. Like, it's, it's fucking hot outside. Why am I going to go sit out in the sun and get even hotter? Ooh, but the water's right there. Fuck the water. That's where the fish shit. Um, <laughs> and on top of that, have you seen the water around here? When they, ha- when they have to have a uh, 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 fucking, like a, uh, what's it called? Poop warnings oh. for sewage and shit in oh, the water. Oh, I missed that. No, they have them. Like, every once in a while, it'll be like, don't go to the beach. The The... It's toxic it's or whatever shit. right now. You fuck that. I'm not like I'm not going shit. in there. I went out there. This was years ago, and you're just hanging out in the water. And I stepped on a fish hook right oh, in the I middle of that. my toe, and mm. had a weight still stuck to it and everything. I'm like, never again. Ah, okay. So you don't want to see children naked. No, awesome. That's good. Not. Neither do we, and we hope none of you do as well um other antics of wendy's were breaking the dress code she was bleaching her hair having sex staying away from home and even getting married at age 16 to a navy guy your favorite uh that's probably the worst of all uh just kidding yeah we all know how but not really (laughs) Uh, no offense to any of the navy guys but but they know. Yeah. They won't take offense. They'll be like, ha ha. Uh, they're right. <laughs> anyway, so she did get divorced shortly after. And I'm thinking that was probably annulled because she was literally a child and it was the 60s. So divorce wasn't exactly like easy to get at the time. Yeah. I think they were probably like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This never this, happened. Yeah. Um, not satisfied with the life her family was giving her, Wendy ran away and hitchhiked to Colorado at age 16. This bitch is busy. <laughs> she was working on jobs, selling art. She was living in a tent and shoplifting. I mean, she must not have been making too much from the art to be shoplifting, but okay. Maybe she was shoplifting supplies. I don't know. Oh. But that one caught her another charge. During this time, she was also experimenting with spirituality, religion, and drugs like LSD and mescaline. So my search history is all kinds of messed up at this point (laughs) since I googled mescaline. And now you get to know that it's a hallucinogenic and intoxicating compound present in mescal buttons from the peyote cactus. (laughs) 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 If you don't know where that's from, please go watch the Doors movie by Oliver Stone. We talked about it. I know. (laughs) That's why it was funny because it was like it it comes up every time I think we make bird noises. Oh, yeah. Or peyote. I I I still haven't seen it. Oh, my gosh. Let's do a day. It sounds hilarious. (laughs) A day of us watching that movie. Random fun fact uh, for our gamer people out there. Well, Hmm. some of them will probably already know this. In uh, Grand Theft Auto Online, they have a little seasonal thing where usually around Halloween, where you can go find peyote plants. You, you find the peyote plants, you eat them, and you turn into a random animal. Oh, and my then God. You can go so harass, you know, pedestrians walking down the street. It's that's pretty funny. That's fun. It is that's fun. It's better so than using it's... an entire tank to go burn a town. Nah. They're both equally fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the game is more about picking up hookers and killing them. You get to t- do drugs and turn into animals. And <laughs> I thought you were saying it's more so about picking up hookers no well no you're saying there's more to it there's more to it than just picking up hookers i was like damn that's a weird take (laughs) (laughs) okay wendy was a staunch vegetarian since 1966 later uh, after experimenting with mescaline and lsd she did give up drugs booze and smoking altogether she eventually returned to new york and was working a job as a waitress and this is where she met peter morticelli who introduced her to the cheese it does is that a cheese no 
Botticelli. Botticelli is like a... Bordello is a wine. Hmm. Botticelli is an artist. Well, throw another Ellie at me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's all I've got. Okay. Um, so anyways, that guy introduced her to the music scene. Obviously, that was a big moment for her. He was in a regionally successful band called Hardware. Wendy seemed interested in the scene, but Peter never really thought that her interests would lie in being a singer. A few years down the road, he was managing a band that played a show with the Plasmatics. Peter was shocked when he realized that their lead singer was his ex-girlfriend, Wendy. She wasn't just a singer, though. She was performing. Okay. (laughs) When I was working on the playlist, like we mentioned before, the raspy vocals she has are just... They're not like anything else I've ever heard. Like, sure, Miley Cyrus has raspy vocals. Mm -hmm. You could say that... Who else? I don't know. Anyone that smokes has raspy vocals, but like... It was just insane listening to this. And I'd never heard of it up until this point of doing this episode. Yeah. Actually, this one... Oh, I should have mentioned this at the beginning. This one was a special request for my friend Sam, who loves punk music, goth music. And every time we've talked about the podcast, he's like, cover Wendy O. Williams. So thank you, Sam, for the suggestion, because the story was really fascinating. And we're happy to cover it. Anyways, so the Plasmatics began forming in the 1970s when nobody in New York City was really focused on being in music. There was a fiscal crisis, there was a high crime rate, and nobody was going out to bars. Uh, There were a few bands that were buzzing around and kids were starting to get restless. So Richie Stotts, he was the future guitarist for the Plasmatics, he had moved to the city in hopes of becoming a musician. He got into contact with this dude named Rod Swenson, and that guy was a promoter and basically the person who you wanted to impress if you wanted to be successful. Hmm. Rod and Wendy were in a serious relationship at the time, and he hadn't seen her perform as a singer, but Rod had been working with Wendy and was convinced that she could put on a show. I'm sure. You better find out why. Swenson was in charge of a place called Captain Kink's Sex Fantasy Theater. Cute. Jesus, I am so slow. When you read that, I was like, I'm glad it's not Captain Kirk's sex fantasy. And I'm like, oh, what shit, that that's the like? joke. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess that is a joke. <laughs> that is it, yeah. Because Star Trek had ended in uh, 69, so definitely. Yeah, you would probably roll up to it like, Captain Kirk's theater. And then you go in and you're like, whoa, titties. <laughs> <laughs> this is even better than I thought. <laughs> Roddenberry would love this. What's the like main tagline for Star Trek? Beyond, I don't know. To infinity of. <laughs> Do you just quote Buzz Lightyear? I cannot. I'm leaving. <laughs> what is it, Jake? Come on, say it. Where yeah. no man has gone before. Oh, you're talking about like the openings. Yeah. Or whatever. I don't know. Whatever their catchphrase is. I mean, that would be like a, a good tagline for. For the kink theater. For the too. kink theater. <laughs> so at the kink sex fantasy theater, they would put on different shows ranging from dances, skits, Live sex shows, horror shorts, and so on. Wendy began performing in these shows, and she was apparently arrested over 100 times working in the theater. Wendy and Rod became friends, and she would take him to all of these crazy shows while performing various types of acts for his theater. And after they were in a relationship, Rod had an idea. Let's create a band and put Wendy as the focal point. Wow. Who gives a fuck if she could sing, you know? She could, though. Well, she could, though, yeah. Yeah, she was, I mean, it's, she was good. It was good. So in 1977, the band was formed with Wendy O, and there was Richie Stotts, this guy Stu Deutsch, and and Chose Funahara with Rod writing their lyrics. They started to build up a following. They added a second guitar player, Wes Beach, and they weren't just focusing on their music. Like Cassie said, they were performing. They mm-hmm. were creating a show, and it was working. They sold out CBGB four nights a week. Wow. And that's a 350 cap. Uh, it was time for something bigger. A 1200 cap Polish hall, which mm-hmm. sold out without pre-sale tickets in the pouring rain. So there are all these like punk kids just lined up, <laughs> getting soaking wet, waiting to buy a ticket to see if they can even get in the show. So you have to imagine there were some people who waited in that line and they got up to the front. And they were like, ooh, sorry. Fresh out. That was the last ticket. See you later, nerds. <laughs> <laughs> After their show, the Irving Plaza Polka Hall hosted groups like U2, Beck, Sonic Youth, and more. I kind of sort of grew up in a Polish community on and off. Yeah. Up in Michigan there. And when I think of a Polish hall, I'm thinking like grandma, she's in her clogs. 
<laughs> got a dress on, she's up there with her little dance group, and you know, I got all the old people out there and yeah. suspenders and fluorescent lights. Yeah. Doing a jig. That's like I don't I I could not imagine a band like this playing in a poker hall. That is just yeah. absolutely ridiculous. It's cool as shit. It's it's awesome. I mean, obviously it opened up something. They got U two and yeah, Beck's in there. That <laughs> wow. was for you too. Not a Beck fan. No, no, no. That was for you. Yeah, let me clarify. Oh. I did like Beck, but I found out he's a Scientologist, so wow. hey, that's a cult. Mm. Um, but hey, I'm in a kickboxing cult, so that's true. Speaking of kickboxing <laughs> cults, I just started a colon cleanse. So if I shit myself during this episode, you didn't see anything or hear anything. I'm sorry. What does that entail? A colon cleanse? Yeah. What are you putting in your butt? No, no. Okay. No, it's not like that. You, you don't know. have to leave this in. I'm genuinely curious <laughs> no, about your it's colon. A, it's a colon cleanse. So I went in and you do the meeting with them like quarterly or whatever. And then they're like, here, you should maybe do a cleanse. And you're like, okay. Um, so it's an enema. No, it's not. It's a thing. that It's like a capsule that you take. So you take it before you in go to bed. No. By, <laughs> I mean, I hope not. I've been doing it wrong. <laughs> I thought you swallowed it. Um, it's a capsule that you take that is it's full you of it with your butt. stuff. No, <laughs> I've orally ingested it. And then you, you take it before you go to bed. And then when you wake up in the morning, you have to shit. And then you just shit yourself. And then hopefully you don't shit yourself throughout the day. Use the toilet. Were they not descriptive <laughs> enough with the directions? You don't literally what? shit yourself. Yeah, I mean... Go. I'm not waking up in bed shitting the bed. <laughs> That's I'm, what I'm you just implied. Because I have to. Okay. You shit at eight, sh- eight, eight o'clock you sharp said, every day. Wake up, you shit, shit yourself, <laughs> and then I go to work. Then you wake up at yeah. nine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get up, I go to the bathroom, and then I shit myself. Oh, so just regulating you. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I don't fucking know. <laughs> you, like, don't, you don't have to keep this. Just Jake's losing his absolute. If, if we, Jake's on a colon Jake's cleanse. Jake's on a colon cleanse. <laughs> <laughs> He's shitting himself. <laughs> don't stain Can't that chair. I can't get over here. I wake up, go to the bathroom, then shit myself. <laughs> get to the fucking toilet. Pull That's what I was trying to say. Go to the actual toilet. Like... That's what I mean. Well, you said wake up, shit yourself. What do you call it? Go to the bathroom. Uh, no, I, go like physically go you, to the room. If I'm shitting myself, that means that implies I'm still wearing clothes. Okay. Just going if to I'm the bathroom. just going to the bathroom. <laughs> the toilet. <laughs> if you go into the bathroom before you shit yourself, then you just jump in the shower. At least stand in the tub. Yeah. <laughs> and then waffle stomp it. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> This is too much. Gotta get some grano. Okay. Jake's Um, dying. We have to wait. Not sure why it got there. So, as their show started ramping up, so did the theatrics. The plasmatics were doing some dangerous shit on stage, but they practiced it and they timed it out so that it would kind of flow with the show but they were literally blowing up cadillacs during shows which probably hurts jake's heart a little bit no i i I saw some videos they weren't like the nice ones the first time was at the palladium where they were the first unsigned band to sell out a show anyways they went to blow up this car and it truly exploded all over their amps and their instruments luckily nobody was killed um but honestly it's surprising to me that their antics were even allowed i mean what venue manager would be like, sure, you can bring dynamite in here. That's totally fine. Uh, Wendy was literally placing explosives into vehicles and smashing things with sledgehammers and chainsaws on stage. I mean, shit. When have riders been allowed to have dynamite on them? Again, after our Great White episode, I mean, I feel strongly about explosions happening indoors. Yeah. Like that shit should be happening in a field with nobody around. Why are you going to endanger that many people Mm. on accident? Well, technically on purpose, because you were it's pre-planned. Well, because it's punk. They don't oh. give a fuck. Okay. Um, regardless, the, the destruction wasn't without a message. The items that they were destroying, televisions, cars, they are simply things. And the band wanted to show that that's all they were. They're just status symbols. I understand the metaphor, but at what expense? Because somebody is literally buying these items for them to destroy on stage. Yeah, I wonder. I think they probably got them from, like, junkyards, maybe, or... I yeah, don't know. some of some of you know, like the TVs, they would actually turn them on, but who knows if yeah. they actually work? They just turned them on so you could see the static and 
probably for the effect, oh, it's a, that's a perfectly good TV, and they're smashing it up. Uh, so despite their chaotic and dangerous performances, the band was pretty chill off stage. They didn't drink. They were described as being pleasant and easygoing people. But honestly, if I were allowed to blow cars up and shit on the regular, I'd probably be a lot nicer, too. But you also drink. Maybe I wouldn't drink. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, they were somewhat hassled by fire marshals, but police didn't really seem to give a shit what was going on. I looked up OSHA violations because I was <laughs> I was like, concerned. I'm calling the cops. <laughs> yeah, I was like, excuse me, the Attorney General, please. Um, <laughs> so OSHA de- was developed in the 70s, but I guess they didn't utilize their practices even in venues yet. I mean, hmm. the venue worker. What if the venue workers were hurt? There was no practice of like getting any type of compensation for that injury until the 70s well luckily nobody really got injured uh there was an iconic show at pier 62 where cops they literally just went on stage and spoke to the crowd they gave a rundown of what was going to happen they were like hey look wendy's gonna drive a cadillac into the speaker she's gonna crash the car and then the car is going to plunge into the hudson river excuse the fuck out of me (laughs) um luckily they did have to get the car out because I was like, how can you just like shit was wild in the 70s? What the hell? Like you're just going to that's okay to do. That's why global warming exists. Yeah, they did have to get the car out. So they hired some guys uh, to do that afterwards. And the crowd was so huge that the band could only get to the stage by helicopter. So explain this to me. I'm assuming she would have had to make it out of the car before and like like during the crash happening, but before like landing in the water. There's actually a video from the Pier 62. It was like a music video thing. And they, okay. th- that's exactly what happened is what you just described. They had probably some sort of police chief up there. He's like, yeah, we're going to do this. The car's going to go over the edge. After that, there's nothing to see. Don't go running up there. And the guy's like sitting there telling people to get back behind the barriers. Yeah, it's part of the show. They got all kinds of cops over there, fire department. Like it, it was an actual production. That's so wild. And they did show up in a helicopter. They like played like two songs. Um, yeah, it wasn't just like a random somebody standing there with a Super 8 millimeter camera recording all this stuff. It, it was an actual production. Uh, they they showed up. They played a couple of songs. Wendy runs off the stage, hops in the car, which I can confirm was a Cadillac. <laughs> I confirmed it was a 1972. I when, sat there and freeze like the, it, the it's so grainy and hard to see. Like I I yeah. thought it was like a 68 to 67, but then I saw the front end. I'm like, no, the headlights are wrong. And then there was a split second where I got a really good shot of the headlight, and that's 72. Anyways. In case you have, so, guys haven't guessed, Jake's a car guy. Car yeah. guy. <laughs> Trying to give you accurate information. Now, when you watch the video, the driver's door has been taken off and a, a, a 72 Cadillac. Now, these things are like 20 feet long. This is a huge, huge door. So it's a huge space there. She okay. hops in. She's got a helmet on, you know, and she bails out. You get to see that in the video. She, she bails out and the car just kind of rolls off, does a little dramatic jump into a, some boxes and big you know, theatrical explosion. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like they were just being out reckless. there fucking off and yeah, being reckless. Yeah. Basically. It was, a, it was an actual production. Yeah. Cause I can't imagine all those cops and fire department being out there and just like letting this go on. It just seems so crazy to me because shit like that would never be allowed nowadays, especially for a band like the plasma. I mean, it could be the fucking rolling stones and they wouldn't let that happen. You know? I don't know. I, I they, just they, think it's they, wild. they took safety precautions and, yeah. and they had it planned out and, and for, you know, as best as they could for 1980 or whenever it came out. Yeah. You know? I guess the Hudson's like full of trash anyway. So they probably were like, nah, it's not going to hurt any <laughs> animals. That would be crazy. Uh, so Wayne Kramer of MC5 wasn't really a fan of the band's antics that day. He was at the show and said it was pretty much just cheap thrills for a group that couldn't actually play music. I think he was just mad he didn't think of it first. Probably, because they were pretty good. David Robinson of Stiff Records thought that the plasmatics captured the essence of punk musically. And knowing that nobody else would touch them, he signed the plasmatics to Stiff Records. You said Stiff. <laughs> They released their debut album, New Hope for the Wretched, on October 2nd, 1980. Their record was interesting, to say the least. A lot of the songs were under two minutes, which became a staple in punk music. Nobody cared if their songs fit the 330 radio preference. They just wanted to tour and perform. Rolling Stone, who had infamously trashed Queen over and over, did not like the plasmatics either. They said that they should be seen rather than heard. I have a thought, because why the fuck would you think... I mean you've heard queen albums why would that not be something that somebody wants to hear 
they shit all up and down on they clean. have no right they're stupid <laughs> i think that's another thing i think they're just being controversial to get people to read their shit like who cares what you think if you listen to any queen album obviously it's good like shut the fuck up and it's a performance like i said <laughs> here's my note that says i've been listening to them as i write and i gotta <laughs> say i really like it yeah yeah i've been listening to them very i get i get the early stuff is really punkish sound sound mm-hmm. sounding sounding their later stuff definitely got a little bit more thrash in it yeah it was cool and I liked yeah it. They, they changed up i i read some things where people were like uh they're kind of not punk anymore but I, I like the sound of it it was good if you like it then you like it and if you don't you don't yep. and i happen to like i'm a person who can appreciate both types of music so i like it all um, as far as the production on that first album jimmy miller was supposed to do it and that guy produced tons of rolling stones albums as well as overkill by motorhead badass but he, yeah he was using a bunch of heroin at the time and he kept just disappearing he would be passed out in the bathroom so not badass not badass they brought in a guy <laughs> named ed stasium who just decided to turn everything all the way up so when i was assembling the playlist I was very surprised about how little the plays that Plasmatics have on Spotify. I feel like they might have just been added recently. Okay. Because I I was looking and I I was like, I guess it might have been this underground thing. And Spotify is a little more mainstream. But if they were added the most recently, I mean, this is my first time hearing about Wendy in general. So I'm kind of new to it all. I've never heard about her either. There were very few plays. and And I think a couple of things contribute to that. I think, first of all... All of the albums on Spotify, they don't they didn't have this album on Spotify, at least when I looked. They didn't have any of their early stuff. It was all the later stuff when they kind of changed genres. Okay. You would have to go to YouTube to find the earlier stuff. Hmm. Um so I think that has something to do with it. And I think probably their record label, kind of like Tool, they didn't want to put their music up on Spotify. They were sure. probably because well they're punk. Royalties. So they're anti commercialism. So they probably were only added recently. I don't know if that's true, but that was my theory. As to why. Sounds plausible. And I feel like everybody who listens to the Plasmatics probably has all their records and tapes and CDs. So they're not listening to it on Spotify. They're going to listen to it, you know, using traditional methods. In August of 1980, the Plasmatics were to perform at the Hammersmith in London. And the UK media was always looking for an outrageous story. So they came out in full force. Wendy hopped off the plane. She was wearing a nurse costume and she said... I'm here to give a cultural enema to the British people. Here we go again. (laughs) (laughs) Alex is doing one of those. No, I'm not. It's not an enema. It's a colon cleanse. It's just a cleanse. It reminds me of Batman where Joker's in there and he's walking out of the room. He goes, this town needs an enema. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently that was like one of my favorite things to say when I was a kid because. I believe that. Yeah. (laughs) And you you didn't even know what it meant. I had no clue what it meant. (laughs) I'm pretty sure mom's told that story where i would say that and make the fart noise who knows she also told me that you had dyslexia and that was a lie so (laughs) anyways in preparation for the show they brought out three cadillacs to blow up how can they afford more cadillacs (laughs) the band ran a practice explosion before the greater london council just to get approval approval roger daltrey of the who heard the explosion and he showed up to the rehearsal studio because he was like what the fuck is going on over here surprise the greater london council would not allow the exploding cars at the hammersmith show and so it was canceled bummer yeah i think that does suck despite this (laughs) their song butcher baby actually hit the uk charts and the group started to gain a pretty substantial following they did a european tour in 1981 and also appeared on fridays which was a competitor for saturday night live do you remember that jake we were up i do not no i would i wouldn't have been allowed to watch snl anyways wendy was the first woman to wear a mohawk on tv isn't that a crazy thing to be like the first of so while they're on the tv they decide to smash a tv ah the irony Mm. they were asked to perform again on fridays where wendy destroyed the guitar hero male icon an electric guitar she took a chainsaw to it and handed pieces of it out to the audience then she took a shotgun loaded with blanks fired at the speakers and then fired at the ceiling and made the lights come crashing down well the videos are pretty intense definitely worth watching a lot of crazy stuff i watched a uh hour-long live in london 
thing. Uh, Damn. I think it was later in their career. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Lemmy comes out and plays with them. Oh. Lemmy and his, his guitarist come out and play a song with them. And well, television clearly loved their antics because next, the Plasmatics were invited to appear on a show called Tomorrow with host Tom Snyder. Wendy got to talk about why they were so destructive this time. She said, it's normal for rape and murder to happen in our society, but it's not normal to destroy a television set. We're exercising the evil in our society by destroying these things. I think I kind of got it i like, get it they're being you, extreme but they're trying to prove a point yeah and also you're you're coming out of we're still in one of the most prolific serial killer eras in True. united states history so yeah. you get all these women being raped and murdered and everybody's like eh whatever yeah nobody gave a fuck she gets up on stage and like oh my god she's destroying a perfectly good tv or she's blowing up this car and everybody's got to worry about that. Yeah. Um, although I wasn't alive in the 80s, if I heard one thing about it, it's that there was a lot of greed and materialism going on. So Wendy went on to say that when she destroyed these symbols of capitalism and materialism, she felt a release and relief. Wendy said everybody should have this opportunity because when you hold stuff in and suppress things, you get more violence. Out of this boredom comes the assassins and the real sickies. I'm calling the real sickies as a big cool band name, though. The real sickies. Call me a, call me yeah, the that's real a good sickies. point. I mean, they have the, what are the what are those rooms called? Like destruction rooms that they have now. Oh yeah, yeah. You, that's necessary so people don't lose their shit. I mean, if you get to do that, and that's the plasmatics were but very you docile people. Also, be able to handle your anger in other ways that aren't explosively like. I mean, fuck it. It's cathartic. Yeah. If you're not hurting any people and you're not destroying... But if you know. rely on that as the only way you can handle your anger and frustration and then it gets to be this like toxic thing where you just want to hit people all the time. Well, they weren't hitting people. They were just hitting <laughs> yeah, TVs. Hitting people. Yeah, they weren't doing that. I don't think it was toxic. I think it's very releasing. They have those anger rooms or whatever they call them where you just go and you're so like, oh, I just can't fucking do this shit. And then you just smash things up and then you're like, oh, I feel better. And then you didn't hurt anybody. You just kind of got it out. Um, despite the group getting a lot of publicity, they weren't actually making a lot of money. But there were a ton of Cadillacs being bought. Maybe that's how they didn't have any money. I don't know. I really didn't think about that until you said it seven times. <laughs> it's all the Cadillacs and I kept seeing the word Cadillac. I was like, oh, another another one. <laughs> yeah. So their drummer, Stu Deutsch, he left in 1981. Rod was planning for a second album, but the guys were pissed because they'd hardly gotten paid from the first. Plot twist. The money was used for helicopters, dynamite, and Cadillacs, y'all. <laughs> Plus, their original contract was up. So Neil Smith, who had originally played with Alice Cooper, he joined the Plasmatics for Beyond the Valley of 1984 which came out in May of 1981. So this album was followed up shortly after by Metal Priestess, which had a few of the same songs as the last album. Metal Priestess kind of crossed over from punk to metal, which was interesting because at the time, the genres were basically rivals. They had a few member changes on this album as well, introducing Chris Romanelli as bassist on bass, should I have said on bass, and Joey Reese and tony petri on drums although they eventually settled on tc tolliver as a drummer hmm. as you could have guessed the plasmatics weren't a hit all over america they did great in la and new york city but the satanic panic and conservative middle america they were fuming they were always fuming about the satanic panic they still are fuming about yeah, the satanic panic. to this day in 2021 <laughs> they're still panicking true wendy went from being on national television to being arrested three times in milwaukee cleveland and chicago in january of 1981 wendy was arrested by undercover cops at her show now as usual she was wearing her electrical tape pasties and shaving cream on her chest and officers were making nice tits comments left and right so professional of them. yeah five officers threw her to the ground and choked her and held her down on the ice because this is january in milwaukee uh for an extended period of time one more one or more officers allegedly groped her so she slapped them uh, the altercation resulted in a broken nose seven stitches and a charge for Conduct prohibited in a licensed premises, resisting arrest, and battery of police, which was a felony. Mm. The cops had a different story. They were saying that she kicked a cop in the hand and kicked another cop in the face. Wow. Yeah, this is 
incredibly disgusting. And I'm pretty sure none of these police departments are known for having squeaky clean records no, at no. all. Milwaukee? Yeah. You yeah, wasn't correct. there wasn't there somebody named uh, Jeffrey Dahmer that was living there and killing black guys and eating them? And the police are like, meh, whatever, they're black. In we're fact, not we're not gonna research yes. this any further. It's it's done. But they historically do have a very shitty police department. Yeah. Now, Rod had been trying to break up the fight. He was arrested for intervening on charges of obstructing police and battery. He was beaten and nearly knocked out. There are a handful of photos out there, if you if you type it into Google, captured by Alan Gartsky, where Wendy is screaming, she's on the ground, and like five cops are on top of her trying to keep her down. Wendy said that she would be murdered by the police that night, and she commented... A guy can go out on stage bare-chested and do whatever he wants. A woman doing the same thing gets arrested. It's high time people stop thinking of a woman's body as being dirty. A woman doesn't have to be barefoot pregnant in the kitchen to be valid. Let women have some fun. Go ahead, Wendy, and tell them because summer is hot and I want to walk around without a shirt on. So I would like to be, you know, I'd like to do that without having been thrown on the ground by police. I mean, that's so excessive. So the group hosted a series of benefit shows to raise money for their legal fees after this whole shebang. Eventually, all of the charges were dropped and the case was dismissed ironically the club that they were playing at would go on to be a strip joint aka titties like come on dude that's what it's called i'm gonna open up a strip club called aka titties (laughs) nice (laughs) after the milwaukee arrests wendy insisted that the band continue their tour and perform in cleveland she this was like a day or two after she ended up passing out before the plasmatics could even perform their encore so she got part way through the show she was taken to the hospital, and then she was arrested upon her release, and the charge was obscenity once more for her clothing and performing a sadomasochistic dance with a sledgehammer. She was once again found not guilty, pointing out that Cleveland was third in the country for rapes and fifth for murders, but she was arrested because she had boobs and a mohawk. Yeah, I don't recall Freddie Mercury ever getting uh, arrested for waxing his mic stand and a fucking man you're right he Uh was humping that shit all the time she was doing it with a sledgehammer but she had her tits out so lewd yeah well didn't freddie mercury he had he he was in he would start the show fully clothed and by the end he had his little white booty shorts and a little red scarf it's awesome i mean his his balls are about to fall out of these shorts they're so short didn't get arrested Later that year, in July of 1981, Wendy was arrested again in Chicago for attacking a photographer that snuck some pictures of her while she was jogging. So she was trying to grab his camera from him, and um, she jumped on his back and then spit on him. Finally, she was sentenced, but only a year of suspension and a $35 fine this time. So is it me, or is this the only one that sounds like a legit arrest? Because, yeah, the guy's being a creeper out there. Yeah, basically paparazzi style. Those guys are all fucking assholes, anyways. Yeah, Mm -hmm. but you can't go up and attack them. Yeah, I understand why she totally get it. but you can't. You know, unless he's doing like creep shots, trying to get up her skirt. You know, yeah, that would then he would be breaking the law. Technically, he is probably within his boundaries to take photos of her from afar. So I don't blame her, but at the same time, like, you're not supposed to assault people, so I get it. Um, Wendy and Rod decided to file a nearly $6 million lawsuit against the Milwaukee Police Department for use of excessive force. She detailed how she had been sexually assaulted, and the cop's defense just showed photos of her performing. So they're basically saying, look at her. She had her tits out. She She was asking for it. asked for it. And that case was decided in favor of the police. Yeah, of course it was. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Amidst all of this, the plasmatics were striking while the iron was hot. They released another new album, Coup d'etat. And is that <laughs> Coup d'etat? Yeah. Okay. Coup d'etat. Coup d'etat. <laughs> in 1982. So this was their second album in one year. But I guess it's easy when your songs are all two minutes long. The final song on the album, The Damned, was often featured in um, on Beavis and Butthead. There was some controversy after that in the show Beavis Yelled Fire after watching shit explode in the Plasmatics music video. Allegedly, in real life, a five-year-old heard Beavis yell fire in the show and ended up burning down his parents' mobile home and his baby sister was killed. 
<laughs> I'm not laughing because you are literally laughing. Okay, <laughs> this is like that devil made me do it shit. It's like I blame Beavis. And, this is probably why I wasn't allowed to watch Beavis and Butt as a kid because of like me too. The specifics was of what they talked that about. I was going to turn into them. I wasn't allowed to watch The Simpsons at first either. Yeah, I wasn't allowed to watch Simpsons or any of these things. Um, and it's because of this dumbass kid. Yeah, he ruined it for everybody. It's 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 just a shitty attempt to shift blame onto something that has absolutely nothing to yeah. do with anything. The Milwaukee legal issues were continuing to mount. The criminal case had been decided, but they were trying for some results in a civil case. The plasmatics returned to Milwaukee to perform once the police chief had retired, but when then Wendy was sued by a fan. Uh, this guy jumped on stage. He put his hand between Wendy's legs, so she bonked him on the head with her microphone. <laughs> she was like, what? get the fuck out of my shit, and then he sued her. He didn't win. I don't think so. Conservative groups began to try and cancel plasmatics performances across America while their legal fees were just continuing to grow. Not to mention, Capital dropped the plasmatics after coup d'etat because they clearly had no interest in making radio hits. So the label was mad at them. They're like, come on, dude, you're not making us money. They should have known it's a punk group. Come on. Yeah. The last Plasmatics concert before their hiatus was held at a tiny club in New Jersey. It was incredibly anticlimactic for how explosive their career had been. Uh, they were straying from their punk roots in a very big way. So according to Richie, Judas Priest and Ozzy wanted the Plasmatics to open for them. They ended up opening for Kiss in 1983. Gene Simmons was highly impressed by Wendy when the Plasmatics opened for Kiss. The show brought out a bunch of church folk who burned satanic records before before the show and then wendy took the stage half naked and she smashed up a tv <laughs> it was clear that she was the star so nobody was surprised that she took the chance to go solo mm -hmm. she started off by recording a country song stand by your man wendy was basically making fun of it though so it's cool she also recorded some stuff with lemmy of motorhead i'm pretty sure they performed that song together I the uh stand by your playlist. man yeah. i do believe it yeah. might be on one of their albums it's yeah it's on the playlist too cool. i added okay. that song awesome in 1984 she released her first solo album w-o-w wow produced by gene simmons of kiss and although the band the plasmatics had broken up west tc richie chris and rod all appeared on in the musician and songwriting credits so they were all still working together. Wendy was eventually asked to appear on a panel for the National Academy of Recording Arts and Sciences in relation to parental advisory labels. Mm -hmm. She said, some product put out is offensive and sexist. That's just how it is. Wendy went on to say that there are still more offensive things like TV, guns, and government spending. <laughs> Obviously, we know from previous episodes that the labels ended up being put on albums the parental advisory labels despite protests from Wendy, D. Snyder, and other musicians. Uh, D. Snyder's uh, PMRC Senate hearing video is pretty awesome. He just walks in there and just absolutely kills it. He's he really smart. Yeah, yeah. He was very articulate. Like, he had all of his shit together. They didn't expect that. No. And, yeah, and they, they, like, come back at him after he's done doing his thing, trying to twist his words around. And he's like, no, I said this and this and this. And then... You know, it was just, it's just such a cool video. The, the podcast I listened to um, called You're Wrong About has mm -hmm. a whole episode on yeah, it. Yeah, I listened to that one too. Yeah, it's really good. And they, you know, they played the whole D. Snyder speech and everything. Um, like, let this guy talk. He's not trying to call anyone out in a, yeah. like, a, def a defaming way. The, the thing was, it was John Denver, I think, was also there at the same time. Like, mm -hmm. they called him up after D. Snyder and, like, people were thinking, they didn't know which way he was leaning and he got on there and was just kind of like, it's music. It's an art form. Like, they were all on his side. Like, so, yeah, yeah like, we got John. They're all celebrating <laughs> backstage. John Denver's on our side. So, Wendy was the first female artist on the cover of Kerrang! for their August 1984 issue and was nominated for a Grammy in 1985 for a female rock vocal performance on Wow! W -O -W. But she really didn't give a shit about the awards, so she didn't even show up it ended up going to tina turner 
I can relate because crap like that, I just don't care about. I'm going to get you it's a stupid. trophy it's for some. <laughs> that one I'll put up on my shelf. Wendy continued her performances playing Magenta in the Rocky Horror Show. This is the musical before the movie, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. She also appeared in the film Reform School Girls in 1986, where as a 37-year-old woman, she played a teenager. They still do that in Hollywood today, yeah, so true. I don't know why you're upset. <laughs> also in 1986, Wendy released her second solo album, Commander of Chaos. That's all with K. Her style kind of changed from the plasmatics era. She had ditched the shaving cream and electrical tape and was opting for slightly more coverage in her onstage costume. The book Eve of Destruction describes her solo era as Wendy turning a little bit more introspective with songs that described her own personal thoughts and feelings. So on stage, she'd pick up her guitarist on her shoulders and show off how strong she was it's instead like, of just like blowing everything up strong man she was like look at me bitch yeah, she did yeah. that in the live in london i think show that i watched yeah she, i was like what the fuck's going on she just he stood up on this box and like got on her shoulders and like okay right. she's, she's just, just sitting there shredding it the whole time that's so funny she's inviting people to come fight her yeah <laughs> she was still chainsawing stuff in half but this time it was only a doll of boy george so everything okay. was becoming a little bit more music focused rather than performance in 1987, the Plasmatics got back together for one last shebang. It was Maggots the Album. The group was composed of some old Plasmatics members and some from Wendy's solo project. Maggots was a concept album. It was telling the story of a virus that was created to eat trash out of the ocean. The virus meets maggots and creates mutant giant maggots that eat cities and people and destroy the earth. <laughs> Which is a pretty cool concept. Sure. And for the first time, the Plasmatics began pushing it to radio stations and actually trying to get some airplay. Wendy appeared on MTV's Headbangers Ball promoting the album as well. Ultimately, the Plasmatics were not going to go on any longer. Wendy released her last album in 1988, which is... It's definitely odd. It's called Deafest and Baddest Same. with exclamation points. And it's kind of like a rock hip-hop fusion. It was on Run DMC's label profile, so if you can imagine just Wendy O. Williams doing Run DMC type. It's trigger to walk around. Yeah, it's a lot like that, but <laughs> yeah. it's just her. Um, the tour for this album was Wendy's final time out on the road. In 1989, Wendy tried her hand again at acting, putting on quite a good performance in Pucker Up and Bark Like a Dog. For her role, she had to ride in on a motorcycle, take a swig of a passed out drunk dude's liquor, and then smash the bottle. He said something about how all women suck, and her line was, men suck worse. And then she takes the drunk guy home and dominatrixes the fuck out of him, saying, are you man enough to act like a dog? Huh. So obviously that film got 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> After leaving the music scene in 1991, Wendy and Rod moved to a geodesic home in the woods that Rod had built. He was actually a super smart guy. Uh, he became a lecturer and he was publishing scientific journals on evolution, thermodynamics, and entropy. I can Google it. What is entropy? Who the fuck knows? So entropy okay. is a scientific concept as well as measurable physical property that is most commonly associated with a state of disorder, randomness, or uncertainty. How do you study it then? Cool. So I still don't know what he does. Wendy was no longer performing and she seemed to be becoming the exact opposite of what her persona was in the plasmatics. So they moved to this town called stores what's that state next to vermont kentucky no it starts with a c connecticut connecticut so stores is the town that they moved to it's in connecticut and it's pretty remote it was a lot of like university folk farmers and outdoorsy type people pretty far from the city it was likely that the residents of stores didn't know who wendy was as mentioned before her offstage personality was pretty reserved quiet and polite i mean you'd never guess wendy helped with the local pet store doing rehab for squirrels Aww. and other animals she handed out samples of vegan food and she sold vitamins at a local store what what pet store sells squirrels no, no, no. The rehab. She's just rehabbing, rehabbing at a pet them. store? Yeah, I don't know. I guess the squirrels are real fucked up in stores. I don't know, but she was, she was rehabbing them all the time. <laughs> Stop! <laughs> that was a terrible joke. Uh. What? You mean like they were drinking? <laughs> no. <laughs> you just... <laughs> 
just got that. No, I didn't mean to drink. Oh, you didn't even mean for that to be a drink. I was like, Alex, what the fuck? And squirrels don't drink. Like, stop. <laughs> no, I just meant their squirrels must be fucked up. But also, like, a pet specifically a wild you know, squirrel rehabilitation center. But yeah, I guess they do need to go to rehab if so they're drunk. As so a pet right. store, like, technically, like, PetSmart would be a pet store and they have the PetSmart vet. They're like, was it Banfield or whatever? So, yeah, like, like people she who was working for the vet inside of the pet store. Yeah, that's what I figured. She's just kind of kind of like fostering but for wild animals i didn't mean that they were literally getting <laughs> drunk and she was their aa <laughs> sponsor <laughs> yeah that's how i took it oh wow i was wow. like what are you even talking about um yeah she was just raising squirrels you know um nobody really seemed to know that anything was wrong with wendy nobody knew that she was sad or depressed she seemed okay except for occasionally showing up late for work eventually she was fired from the vitamin shop uh, where she was selling like supplements and stuff kind of like my enema and by enema <laughs> i mean colon cleanse i thought you would actually take <laughs> take that part out but now we've referenced it too it's much for you to much. remove <laughs> I can't take the it fact out. that you're doing a colon cleanse so i'm cleanse. sure she was selling things like a colon cleanse at the vitamin shop but she had to uh she got fired so she ended up falling volunteering at the wildlife center in 1993 wendy had her first suicide attempt this one was fucked she hammered a knife into her chest that is Ugh. brutal yeah how do you even have the yeah the logistics the, of that is well uh, not even that it's just you got the point of the knife on you like how do you I would. You gotta hit it, it real you hard bring one yourself time. To even do it, like yeah, because I, I would imagine you hammer it multiple times. But after the first time, like fuck that shit. So once the knife lodged in her sternum, she changed her mind. Obviously, that's also a bad spot to try and do that. I guess because your sternum's right here in the middle. So she was going. like right into the cartilage there. Like it's not bone. It's that really hard cartilage there right yeah i I guess uh so she ended up calling rod and she asked him to take her to the hospital because she was afraid of bleeding out if she pulled the knife out on her own she then tried to kill herself again in the summer of 1997 so five years later and this time she was trying it by overdose wendy had collected a bunch of ephedrine tablets probably from work ephedrine is a central nervous system stimulant used to treat breathing problems nasal congestion low blood pressure and so it's like an amphetamine i mean i would assume yeah. for like breathing problems and whatever mm-hmm. okay it's so it's supposed to make you okay so she got ephedrine tablets probably from work rod asked her if she was about to kill herself apparently they had discussed it with him talking her down multiple times she had already taken the ephedrine and caffeine and she decided to just retreat to the garden and die so i think she, what she was trying to do is make her heart just fucking explode rod walked down to the garden with her and he held her hand as her heart rate began to increase she ended up surviving this attempt but she was sick for four days after that rod called poison control rather than the hospital because wendy wendy didn't want anyone to put her into a mental institution for attempting suicide wendy had mentioned to rod that if she wasn't successful in taking her own life she would just have to move away she really didn't get far she moved in with a local tattoo artist Bad idea. Mm. His name was Steve Gabriel. Um, and this was a whole nother can of worms. Steve had cats. And Wendy hated cats. Um, because the, the cats would kill the squirrels that she was rehabbing. At the same time, she was suing the vitamin shop for firing her and not granting her any unemployment benefits. So she's dealing with a lot of shit. And then on top of that, she was trying to get Steve to cover up some of her tattoos. But he couldn't figure out... How to do any goddamn leopard spots. Is that what she wanted? Yeah, she wanted some leopard spots. And he was like, but uh, she hates how cats. the fuck do you do that? She hates cats. And That's wants a good point. I think spots. she just didn't like the cats there because they were killing her squirrels. So while living with Steve, Wendy was still calling Rod multiple times a day. And Rod was very gracious with her about her needs and wants. He tried to push her to stick around longer. He was telling her... That she needed to live through the winter to make sure that all of the animals coming out of hibernation had enough to eat. So she was like, you know what? You're right. I'll stick around. But it seems like Wendy was likely feeling rejected. She wasn't able to get any film roles. The music industry didn't want her either. Venues stopped booking her out of fear of destruction. And obviously the whole Midwest thing kind of put a damper on on everything and while she didn't want to become the punk mom to the kids in new york city rod was reinventing himself in science 
And Wendy had absolutely no direction and no idea who she was anymore. So she felt lost, friendless, jobless, and hopeless. And, you know, she never wanted to get old anyways. On April 6th, 1998, Wendy gathered a few of her prized possessions and she grabbed Steve's 38 handgun. She drove over to Rod's home in the woods and left him a note. She left him flowers. Um, she left him actually a bunch of notes and some of them read, I believe strongly that the right to take one's own life is one of the most fundamental rights that anyone in a free society should have. Another said, my feelings about what I am doing ring loud and clear to an inner ear and a place where there is no self, only calm. I die with a clean, warm feeling like the sun and water we shared together as when birds fly or fish swim. Wendy went out to the woods near the home. She fed the squirrels. She put a bag over her head and she shot herself. Mm. She was 48 years old. Uh, Rod arrived home to lists and love letters and presents. And as soon as he saw that, he knew Wendy must have done it. Mm -hmm. He searched for her in the woods for over an hour until he finally found her body. Uh, she had been talking about it for four years at that point so he really wasn't surprised rod said wendy's act was not an irrational in the moment act steve the guy she was living with didn't find out until a day later um he found out from a friend who had seen it on the news and while it's terribly sad that wendy felt she wasn't useful to the world anymore ultimately she had lived her life to the fullest she ended things on her terms but she still lives on in music culture media fashion attitude and so much more mm. That was the story of Wendy O. Williams of the Plasmatics. It's kind of it's fucked. Sad. Yeah. It is really sad. Really sad ending. We haven't had any like that. I just can't imagine calmly committing suicide. I mean, Mindy. You know? But she wasn't. She, but wasn't, she wasn't calm, calm about it. That's the thing. Usually, people do this in like a heat of the moment. They're not thinking rationally. They're just like, "Fuck, man, whatever. Something just happened. I'm going to kill myself." Mm -hmm. But Wendy had been contemplating it for years. Yeah. And trying to do it and just didn't know the right way. But she was just done. And it's so sad because she was, when she was in the public eye, being so extra and like out there and breaking all these grounds and like didn't give a fuck. And then moving to a small town and being a nobody. And that just... I think in a way it could be if you didn't want that life anymore and then going into the small town where no one recognized you. Yeah. Some people would be like, like, oh, it's so great. But like that was isolating for her. Yeah. It wasn't working for her. Right. And like Rod at the same time, he'd been successful all throughout. Like he still had a purpose. It had just shifted. And, yeah. and hers was completely gone. You know, she was helping with the animals and stuff, but getting fired from work and like having to deal with all this mundane bullshit and it's like i started a revolution and now yeah. i now i Which, don't matter that's what surprises me how you said she didn't want to be like a new york club mom it's like i mean you could have been insightful to those that were around you or like been an even bigger influence you know coming back and like telling your stories yeah. or but I, mean, I don't think being a club mom would be that bad no. if you're like she doesn't have any kids or anything so mm -hmm. that would be kind of nice to be like an the, honorary the mom. veteran on the scene yeah. yeah it's sad it's a very sad note to end on yeah <laughs> <It was laughs> alex sad. is like three glasses of wine deep I'm are you cry. gonna start crying like that one time cassie drank a whole bottle of wine and cried <laughs> my favorite story there was more than wine involved uh, thoughts jake now that you know who wendy o williams is she is definitely a badass total badass uh, just to to even go out and do what she did getting up on a stage and and being damn near butt naked because you know watching some of the videos it's like she's serious and putting up with uh the bullshit from the police uh, definitely fans because you know those guys in, uh, down in the crowd they're drunk their mentality Back then, it probably you know I'm sure it's still true today. It's like, oh, this is the this is the bitch that gets up and dances naked on stage. Mm -hmm. and, you know, she's probably horny all the time. I can just go up there and grab her crotch like the the one like, fucking yeah. asshole. Well, I'm glad that's the only instance that we heard of with that happening. But I, she, I bet there were more. But that, sure. that's probably the notable one because apparently it was on he, stage. He, he sued her. Or whatever. Yeah, he sued her. That that to me, she. I, I had no idea. And as soon as I started watching her performances, it was like, holy shit, she has... Her name is, unfortunately, barely a blip in music history yeah. to yeah. somebody who doesn't listen to punk. Because, like, I don't want to offend the people who are listening to this because Sam recommended it. And you guys obviously all know her and are very familiar with her. But somebody who doesn't listen to punk has no fucking clue who she is. Yeah. 
And just watching her performances, she has had such an effect on women in music. You can see it everywhere now, like up to Lady Gaga, which is, I mean, she's huge. Everybody knows who Lady Gaga is. Nobody knows who Wendy O. Williams is. I just think it's absolutely wild that she had such an impact as one fucking person. Like nobody else was doing this at the same time. Right. Maybe there was Joan Jett around or Lita Ford. But they were not on the level no, of Wendy O. Williams. Not. That was no. no fucking way. Way commercialized, and they were making music for radio yeah. at the time. Well, they were, and they were like they were pushing women forward, but not right. in this way. She didn't give a fuck, and mm-hmm. she just went out there and she dealt with the shit that was, you know, given to her. She m- took the extreme stance, which meant that you can't tour in certain places and you're going to get treated mm-hmm. a certain way. And she yeah, always just... All the harassment had to be ridiculous. Like, yeah. the, you, we don't really talk about it in the story, but that's that's what I kept thinking this whole time. So you got to put yourself in the early 80s, late 70s, and, and how different people's mindset was back yeah. then versus now. Well, now you know you can get in trouble for it. Imagine when there yeah. were no consequences mm-hmm. for men assaulting oh, yeah. women. Oh, yeah. I mean, even, Thinking the, even realistically the cops were assaulting it. her. The fucking cops. Yeah. So, oh, God... That's a depressing story. I forgot what it feels like to do depressing stories. <laughs> yeah, we've just been a full doing episode in so fucking long. I forgot how sad it is. Wow, I'm sorry, everybody. Let's just go listen to her music and and pretend Celebrate. that it's good stuff. I was listening it uh, at work today. It is good. It's really good. So they have a couple of albums on Spotify, but it's not the full discography if you want to hear the early stuff you're gonna to have to look somewhere else i don't know where that is but it was hey. on youtube right jake there's there's a lot of videos there's uh there's actually a fan made i think it's like an hour and a half long fan made video of just people who had it looks like people who had like a, like a, a vhs tapes hmm. of old plasmatic sh- uh, shows and various things oh, cool. and yeah they just kind of you know compiled them all compiled them all together i didn't watch the whole thing but i kind of skimmed through it that was cool i saw the whole hour uh, live in London, where Lemmy came out mm-hmm. and played with them, and yeah, I watched the one of her performances on that show. I think it was the the one called Fridays, where she like yeah blew up the speakers and then shot the. All of their performances are awesome. So if you haven't looked up any of the other artists that we've covered after the episode, she's one to look up because that shit was cool. I guess that's it. We'll be back with more depressing shit next week when we cover the Leonard Skinner plane crash. Woo! Why did we do this to ourselves? We're morbid people with morbid curiosities. Yeah, but don't forget, we always do mini episodes on Monday to kind of lighten the mood up a little bit. Lighten the load. (laughs) Definitely needed it. Um, Yeah, thanks for listening. Find us on social media and all the other shit that we're supposed to say. Rest in peace. Um, Bye. Later. I'm not as tired as I thought I would be after that. Music by Demons, at Demons Band on Instagram. Artwork by Mike Johnson. Writing and production by Cassie Gardner, Alex Motler, and Jake.